welcome to Why a Book podcast where we read young adult fiction novels. Imagine if there were young adult nonfiction novels that we were reading. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> My mind just went immediately. To like an encyclopedia is like, this is a young adult. <laughs> Diary of Anne Frank. Oh no. <laughs> no. It was on one of those Goodreads YA book lists. Oh, no. <laughs> I read that in eighth grade. Yeah. I, I mean, I read it personally before that, but I read it in school in eighth grade. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Mary. I'm Renee. <laughs> and um, speaking of Goodreads lists with questionable YA novels included, this one is kind of on the younger side of YA, but it was on a Goodreads YA book list so it counts someone's someone said it's a YA book it is the alchemist the alchemist (laughs) with a y it's the alchemist with a y by michael scott not of dunder mifflin (laughs) (laughs) just put it out there it's not the clarification is necessary it is necessary this guy's irish he's apparently one of the uh, island's best authors according to his bio to his own bio that he wrote himself (laughs) You know, everyone talks about James Joyce and Michael Scott. (laughs) I know I am. (laughs) So it was published in 2007. And I guess I'll just tell you the description. That's how the flow of this just... (laughs) It is. Delaying this recording by just three or four days has made me Doing this on a a weekday is really... I worked all day. In the evening, me too. The evening and a weekday has really... Yeah, you're in for a treat, listeners. (laughs) Okay. He holds a secret that can end the world. The truth... Nicolas Flamel was born in Paris on September 28, 1330. Nearly 700 years later, he is acknowledged as the greatest alchemist of his day. It is said that he discovered the secret of eternal life. The records show that he died in 1418, but his tomb is empty. The legend, Nicolas Flamel lives, but only because he has been making the elixir of life for centuries. The secret of eternal life is hidden within the book he protects, the book of Abraham the Mage. It's the most powerful book that has ever existed. In the wrong hands, it will destroy the world. That's exactly what Dr. John D. plans to do when he steals it. Humankind won't know what's happening until it's too late. And if the prophecy is right, Sophie and Josh Newman are the only ones with the power to save the world as we know it. Sometimes legends are true. And Sophie and Josh Newman are about to find themselves in the middle of the greatest legend of all time. (gasps) Wow. Wow. This does sound like something I would enjoy as a youth. I also have to say, <laughs> the thing I think of most when I think of Nicholas Flamel, you think like... Flamel Harry- Alchemist? Yeah, or Harry Potter. The answer is both. I read a crossover fan no! fiction. <laughs> I read a crossover fan fiction that was about Flamel, Dumbledore, and Edward being bros. No! No! I'm pretty sure it was an O3 fic. Oh, no. Oh, well, with that cursed image <laughs> That cursed mind, knowledge. It's on AO3 if you want to read it. No, thank it. <laughs> you. Um, so jumping into the plot. So it starts off, and this girl, Sophie, is working at a coffee shop in San Francisco, and she notices that these two large men wearing heavy black wool overcoats, hats, and gloves are getting out of a car. And she's like, all right, it's the middle of summer in San Francisco. This is a little weird. And then um, 
another like large guy steps out of the car and she notices that he's got gray skin and she's like who are these weirdos and then just like a regular looking dude in a suit also is there and she's like well they're going into the bookshop where my twin brother works so that's that's weird <laughs> and so it cuts to her twin brother Josh who is just doing whatever in the bookshop and he suddenly smells like a lot of peppermint and rotten eggs and he's just like what the fuck is happening like it's like overwhelming he's like is there something going on and he is like I guess I'll go back to work he's trying to find a book and he mentions that this bookshop there's no order to the books it's not like alphabetical categories any kind the only people that know where any of the books are are the owners Nick and Perry Fleming they like they can find things no problem and he's just like they're like go find this book he has to like just go scour shelves why do they hate their customers (laughs) that's not how you sell books no (laughs) that's how they run their bookshop are they trying not to sell books yeah maybe (laughs) Um, but this is in the cellar where it's like go to the back and find what the customer wants Um, maybe the front of the store is more organized but so he keeps smelling these weird things of peppermint and rotten eggs so he goes upstairs to figure out what's going on and he sees the owner it's a gas leak (laughs) close he sees the owner Nick being confronted by those four large men and the one regular sized dude and they're having the regular size dude and Nick are having like some kind of magic energy battle like there's weird like static electricity like weird shit happening things are exploding and flying off the shelves and Josh is just watching this having no clue what's going on Mm -hmm. so he overhears Nick refer to the other, the guy who's attacking him by the name D and this D guy D-E-E not just letter D D-E-E D yes D he said it's that he's there to get something back that Nick stole long ago and Nick is just like well I burnt it <laughs> and she's like yeah that's a fucking lie the declaration of independence <laughs> I burnt it <laughs> this is Nick Cage actually Nick Cage is Nicholas about what a- <laughs> Oh my god, Mary. But there is a theory, because there's like an old as fuck picture that like- Yes, that looks like him. Listeners, if we go missing after this episode, find Nick Cage. He took us. It's going to be the plot of um, National Treasure. That's what's on the page of the book. Exactly. So (laughs) Nick Cage (laughs) is protecting Josh because Josh is getting caught in the crossfire. Oh, he's a good boss. Yeah, he is a good boss. He's like, I don't want to have to pay out workers' comp. And he's like, be careful. D brought gall. Sorry, fuck. I I already do it. Golems. <laughs> D brought golems, not golems. Golems. Mm. Can you tell a Lord of the Rings fan? I feel like I say golems regardless. Yeah. So then Josh is like, he brought what now? And he notices that those large men appear to be made of rock. I just love clay. when in a stressful situation, there's one person who knows exactly what's going on and another person who has no idea. And the person who knows exactly what's going on just acts like the person who does The golems. He's like, like, the golems are here. And they're like, don't explain anything. What? It's like, just run away. That's the point. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, so Nick causes a diversion and he gets like Josh and him out through like this empty building next door. And we cut back to Sophie in the coffee shop across the street. And she starts smelling the rotten eggs, too. Mm-hmm. And peppermint. And who shows up but Perry Fleming, who is the wife of Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other 
bookshop owner. And Sophie's like, do you smell that? And Perry's like, oh, fuck. And then the bookstore windows explode across the street. It's a gas leak. And then suddenly Perry's talking with an accent and is like telling Sophie to hide. And Sophie's like, you're not American. <laughs> you know, if so- if that happened to me, I'd be like, this woman is having a- some kind of psychotic break. <laughs> yeah. And so Perry rushes into the street and she tells Sophie, she's like, be careful. Those are men of clay, like those golems. And Sophie's like, oh, golem from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Wait, really? That's what Sophie says. Oh my God. And she's like, no, no, these are golems. They're men made of clay. <laughs> and so then Perry's confronting Dee, who's like come out of the exploded bookstore looking for Nick. And Dee reveals that her name is Perinelle. I think I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> is her accent French? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that. There, I will be doing French accents in this oh, episode. I was hoping. <laughs> and so Dee's like, I'm here for the book. And he's like, I know your, your husband said you burnt it. But the fact that the two of you are healthy and in fact just alive proves that they're lying. <laughs> and Perry's like, we're the guardians of the book. We can't. The guardians of the galaxy. Guardians of the galaxy. Dee's like, we've collected all the other treasures and only have the book left that we need. Just very vague. Mm-hmm. No, no details whatsoever. And so he and Perry start fighting, like magic fighting, cool mm-hmm. shit. And he manages to, because Nick has also shown up, and he manages to not only get his hands on this book that they've been talking about, mm. but also manages to like uh, kidnap essentially Perry. And so he's about to make off with the book in Perry, and Josh tackles him. <laughs> this 15 year old boy is like, just like, I don't know what's going on, but I know that something bad, I gotta stop him. Oh, he's only 15? He, they're 15 year olds, yes. Sorry, <laughs> forgot to mention For that. some reason, when you say. Uh, yes, it's a quinceanera. We're <laughs> Conspiracy. Back. We're back. Twins. Well, I guess when you said she worked at a coffee shop. They're like very young to be working. Yeah. Well, first of all, that's pretty young. Second of all, I thought for some reason coffee shop just 20. translates to college student yeah. in my mind. No, they're 15 year olds with like who easily got six summer jobs. I mean, the bookshop a little less because it's unorganized, but. But I mean, I'm assuming he's one of very few employees. I think he's the only employee. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, Josh. Uh, did I tell you their name? Yes, I did. And Josh, yes, it was in the description. <laughs> Good point. That's the mental state I'm in right now. It's fine. So Josh tackles D, and Sophie had grabbed a broom from the coffee shop, and she's whacking D with a broom, and he manages to get away with the book and Perry. Mm. And Nick is well. First, Sophie goes. I guess we're not calling the cops, huh? <laughs> and Nick is just like, "Would you believe me?" If I said that this is all a hallucination from a gas leak in the bookstore. (laughs) I mean, I have to assume somebody's going to call the police. Well, it gets covered up like as a gas leak. Like no one saw this happening. Uh. San Francisco is known for a very small population. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, so Josh and Sophie are like, there's no way we could ever believe this was just like a hallucination. And Nick's like, yeah, I didn't think uh, didn't think anyone would fall for that. And Josh is like, well, I managed to uh to rip some pages from that book that Dee ran off with. <laughs> and Nicol- Nicholas looks and he's like, oh, these are the pages for the final summoning. Like he's very da- Dee is very dangerous in possession of that book, but these are the pages he's really looking for. Uh, I also love a special book, but the key pages are missing. Yes. Now Josh and Nick have them and Sophie. And Nick makes a comment that 
he's not worried about Perry because, like, she could kick his ass any day. Mm. He's like, my wife is extremely strong. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yes. They're a great couple. Yeah. And so then he explains that John Dee is an alchemist, magician, sorcerer, and necromancer, and that no, none of those things are the same. I've just, when you said John D, my mind immediately filled it in as John Deere. Yeah. <laughs> Same guy. Actually, no, because it turns out John D was born in 1527 and was a court magician for Queen Elizabeth. <gasps> wow. And then Nick goes, I am not Nick Fleming or whatever the fuck his alias was. He's not. He's not. He is Nicolas Flamel, born 1330, and his wife, Perenelle Flamel, 10 years his senior. Oh. That is historically true. Cougar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Nick was like, I was a normal person. And then I bought this book, the book of Abraham, also known as the Codex. And then I ended up becoming the greatest alchemist of all time. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need to clear this up. So when they talk about the alchemist in terms of Flamel, mm-hmm. it's with a Y. But when mm-hmm. they talk about alchemists generally or and like just other alchemists, like saying D is an alchemist, it's an I. So it's like, because it's this fancy title, he's the alchemist. He's the alchemist. The alchemist. He is the alchemist. Is that the French spelling? No. Oh. (laughs) I don't know what the French word for alchemist is. You don't know what the French, you don't know that How could I not know what the French word for alchemist was? (laughs) French for alchemist. Alchemist. It is, it is alchemist. Alchemist. Oh, you know what? I, I, hold on. I need to see it spelled out. It is two I's and an E. Oh, never mind. I also just have that stuck in my head, Modern Alchemy, that girl from Housewives who started her like water <laughs> brand and just spelled it fucking weird. Yep. So where were we? Yes, his history. And then he's like, the book is dangerous with D, even though he doesn't have the last few pages. The book is so... Sorry. <laughs> not gonna... and he, he reveals that it's also important that he gets the book back because the way the Philosopher's Stone works in this uh, book is not genocide. If you, oh. uh, <laughs> well, it's only mass murder to make one stone. Mass murder, yes. Um, if you are not into full metal alchemist, this makes no sense. And I'm sorry that your life is so sad. Stop this podcast. <laughs> Watch that show, and then come back. Yes, <laughs> you better come back though. <laughs> you have to come back. So anyway, to make the they have to make the philosopher's stone every month to stay immortal. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not really a stone; it's an elixir. It's you know, it's liquid. You just. Yeah. Take a shot every month and you're fine. So it's like more like in line with Harry Potter-ish. That was an actual stone. Yeah, but it, it made the elixir. I don't know. They never really explained how, they don't it, really. how that happened. They just like juiced it like an orange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so if Nick and Perry don't have their immortality elixir every month, time will just quickly catch up to them. So mm. like every day they age like a few, like not a few years, but like they kind of escalate and like they'll pretty much just disintegrate at some point, probably, because they're hundreds of years old. And time, it's not like they start aging, time catches up. Mm. So that's also, there's a clock on this. Yeah. And if they die, evil will triumph and the elder race will claim the earth again. Don't worry, you'll find out. (laughs) I was going to say, that sounds... It sounds scary and there's no details given. These 15-year-olds are there like, oh, the elder race, huh? I like, so like, do these... 
children have parents? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, well, their parents are archaeologists who are always away on digs, and they, like, stay with an aunt or, like, they stay by... No, the aunt checks up on them and stuff. It's established. But, like, that's why they know so much about... They know a lot about history and evolution and stuff, and they're just, like, our parents are archaeologists. But, like, they're, like, famous archaeologists. They're like, Indiana Jones. These, like, hundreds of years old alchemists are like, no, it's fine. Let's involve these 15-year-olds. Well, now it's just Nick because Perry's gone. And they're, you find out that they basically, the teens screwed themselves over by entering the situation because what we find out later is literally D would kill them now no matter what, just because they were there. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, that's jumping ahead. So if Nick and Perry die, evil will triumph and the Elder Race will claim the Earth again. And he does say that he and Perry are immortal beings and human, but the Elder Race is something different. They're immortal, but they aren't humans at all. Oh. And D is also like Flamel. He's human and he's immortal, but Nick's not really sure how he got his immortality because he doesn't have the codex. So that's us. And D serves these other immortal beings called the Elder Race. And now that the twins have involved themselves, they're at risk and they need to get to safety. And then Nick, so Nick plans on getting them to safety and then he's going to go get the book and Perry. So he's like, look, we just got to get you somewhere safe and then I'm going to go do my cool alchemist things. Alchemist. Yes. And they're like, well, our parents are gone for six more weeks and we're staying with our aunt. And so he's like, great, you just kind of have to come up with like check in with them and come up with like a reason for why you're going to be like gone and like out of touch for like just a little bit, like not the full six weeks. Like you, they basically make it seem like it's going to be a very quick trip. Yeah, just like running errands. Yeah. Picking up, picking up well, the they, they say they're like, there was a gas leak. We had to take Perry to like the hospital. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're fine. But like, we're just, you mm-hmm. know, staying with this nice couple and all this drama's happening. Yeah, it's fine. Yes. And so Josh is just like, I'm a fucking normal teenager. Like, why am I in this mess? What is happening? He's, he's like trying to process mm-hmm. a very hard to process situation. Yes. <laughs> and then he's like, aren't you worried about your wife? And Nick is just like, she is the strongest sorceress I've ever met. Like, D is probably terrified to be in her presence no matter what state she's in. Mm, love that. Yes. Perry is, I wish I was her. <laughs> just become a sorceress. It's that easy. It's that easy. One step. So as they're... Um... <laughs> One step, become sorceress. <laughs> become sorceress, done. Profit. So uh, as like they're talking and trying like trying to find like a safe place to bring the twins, Sophie like reaches out to grab Nick's arm and be like, oh, "You're hold up, what?" And there's like this electric shock. He's like, "Oh, sorry, because of all the magic I was using, my aura is still like very charged." <laughs> and they're like, "I'm sorry, your what is what?" My aura. <laughs> Hello. This is 2007. What are you like a scorpion? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what strong. you're going for. I was going to be like, what are you, like a, a Sagittarius? Like somebody who would know what aura is like. I'm trying to make an astrological insult and I don't. I We don't know enough. No. So Nick is like, everyone has aura, which is like electric energy that kind of collects around yourself. Mm-hmm. And most people can't see them. But, you know, everyone's aura has like different colors and people can channel aura energy like he did in that battle mm-hmm. but it's draining to use and he kind of needs to like recharge his batteries and he says that nick is a lot more not nick he is nick <laughs> he starts talking in the third person yes it is me nicholas flamel and uh nick is 
So Nick says that Dee's a lot more powerful than when they last saw each other and that he used to be Nick's apprentice. And it went south quickly because Dee ended up working for the Dark Elders and tried oh, to kill the Nick. Dark Elders. The Dark Elves. <laughs> no. No. The Dark Elders. And tried to kill Nick and Perry for the book. So they had to flee Paris. And history has just been full of this cat and mouse chase of Dee trying to get Nick and Perry. They were living in London for a bit, but then in 1666, Dee found them, and there was a huge fire, which history remembers as the Great Fire of 1666, that was caused by Dee fighting Flamel. Where was the fire? London. Ah. Yes. And he goes through all these historic examples where, like, like the Irish potato famine, that was actually D. Uh, it's like one of those, like, all these historic events were, like, that. caused. Yeah. I love whenever an immortal being is like. That thing. That I was, was me. There. I would love an immortal character who just has led a very uninteresting life <laughs> and, like, meet someone who's like, yeah, I'm immortal. And they're like, oh, my God, do you remember, like, this big event that happened? They're like, no, I, I wasn't there. <laughs> Oh, classic. So if D gets his hands on the Codex, then he can remake the entire world. Essentially what D and these Dark Elders want is to rise to power and humans will be either food or slaves. TBD. This reminds me a lot of Doctor Strange. Interesting. Did you see that movie? No, but... That's interesting because I have a note way towards the end that says <laughs> Doctor Strange. Well, so like in that one, there's also a book. There's like a whole set of forbidden books. Oh, his, books. yes. He's protecting. Yeah. So one of the ancient ones who trains Doctor Strange mm-hmm. has an apprentice who left and is like stole some of the books, which did have missing pages who wants to like use them for nefarious purposes and like basically destroy the world, remake whatever. Interesting. Yeah. It sounds a lot like it. Well, I can't wait to get to the actual note that says Dr. Strange. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, so they want to basically enslave the human race and we cut to D now And he's in, like, the back of his car, and he has Perry in a warding spell because he's just like, if this woman has even an ounce of freedom, I'm dead. (laughs) She is an icon. And this is when he realizes that the pages are missing. And so he calls someone up and is like, I need the Morrigan to come help me. Like, Flamel has the last few pages. The Morrigan. The Morrigan. Okay. We'll get into it. It's We'll get into it. Okay. Have you heard of the Morrigan before? No. Okay. It just sounds like a name, like a person's name, not like a thing's name, like not like the more like not like a, an object that would have a the. Yeah, I was confused a bit by them saying the Morrigan because I always would just say, I would always refer to it as just Morrigan. Yeah. Um, but they just say the Morrigan. I guess that's probably, maybe that's mythologically accurate. I don't no know. No idea. I'm not not well versed in mythology. Well, I was a Rick History <laughs> and mythology are two things. They are very well linked and uh, not into either. Well, that's what this whole book is. <laughs> More interested in mythology over history. Mm, I love them both. Because it's like history, but like fun. Yeah. <laughs> well... We cut back to Flamel, Josh, and Sophie, and they are being followed by demonic rats and crows. Oh, don't like that. Don't like that. And 
they're like going through this like disgusting back alleyway and Sophie's just like this is really gross like everything smells so bad why are we here and Flamel opens this unmarked door and the inside smells great like it smells like a lot of really pleasant teas Sophie's describing and they're like great let's go in and Flamel's just like hold up no you can't just barge in and He's like, from this point forward, like, you've gotten yourselves into this crazy mess. What's important to remember is you need to always wait, look, and notice in order to survive. And you need to start questioning everything you see. And he proves this by showing how the, like, inside of this doorway mm-hmm. is fully booby-trapped. Oh. Like, Sophie was going to full walk into her death. Good. <laughs> and then he shows them, like, where the how to get to the real entrance, like, going around the booby traps. And they, so they go inside the secret entrance and they're inside a dojo. Ooh. And there's a young girl who's like not much older than Sophie and Josh with bright red hair and bright green eyes chilling in the dojo. And she has an Irish accent. If you couldn't figure that that coming. Oh, well, you know, it's all coming together. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Woo, St. Patrick's Day. When we record this, it is St. Patrick's Day. When we publish this, it'll be like June. <laughs> Or like April, but same thing. <laughs> if it's June, something has gone terribly Something's gone wrong. wrong. Nick Cage found us. <laughs> We're gonna set this just in case. <laughs> it's gonna go up in June. If this gets published, just gets published, then that means something happened to us. Nick Cage, we have Nick leverage. Cage did it. Okay, so this Irish teenager is chilling in the dojo. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophie and Josh notice that Nick is like very respectful of her and is like almost like he's the like lesser in the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop thinking about the cage. This episode's gonna be five hours long because of the cage. We're on page, we're just finishing page two of nine of these notes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and so Nick and this te- Irish teen are, uh, ha- are having this conversation. Um, is she really a teen? or is she like an immortal team? Oh, we're gonna get there. Okay. <laughs> I'm just questioning everything like Nick's You got episode. it. Good for you. We're gonna survive the cage. <laughs> Somehow the cage has become our villain. <laughs> our nemesis. <laughs> no, that's Timothy Chalamet. That's your nemesis. That's the truth. Our collective nemesis <laughs> is Nick Cage. The podcast nemesis. Yeah, the podcast nemesis. He's trying to get us shut down. <laughs> If this podcast ever ends, <laughs> it's Nick Cage. Oh my god, we just went on like a five minute tangent, <laughs> blaming Nick Cage. I can't stop. Oh my god, Wait, can't. Mary, this is serious. <laughs> I know. Demon rats. No. They're so they're in the cage. <laughs> they're in the dojo. They're in the oh dojo. So Nick, <laughs> Nick and this Irish team, yeah, are in the dojo. Okay. <laughs> Oh, it hurts. Oh, my God. I'm crying. Okay, they're in the dojo. Okay, so they're talking. Nick clearly has a lot of respect for her, and he shows that he's with these two twins, like, these two twins, these this set of twins, and there's, like, this line in their conversation that implies, like, that there's something really relevant. Like, um, this this girl is just like, oh, like she's, she's like, twins, that's why you're here. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And so then Nick is like, let me introduce you to Scathich, the warrior maid, the shadow, the demon slayer, 
the kingmaker, and she goes, call me Scatty. Wow. She has trained all heroes of legend for 2,000 years. All of them. Yeah, her Every single one. How long ago was Hercules? I don't know. Never. Not Hercules. Scratch that from the record, Nikki. <laughs> Hercules was no. over 2,000 years ago. <laughs> she's not Chiron, because that's who trained Hercules. So she's not Chiron in disguise. Mm, anyway, okay. so she's trained all heroes of legend for the past 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. And then Scatty is pissed that Nick is there and brought the, the twins. And it's like, you're up to something. Like, you're clearly powerful enough to defeat D. And, and Nick is just like, I'm the I'm an old man. Ugh, D is so powerful now. And Scotty's just like, you're up to something. <laughs> <laughs> and then if D is spying on them through one of those rats, he's like possessed in like a little spy cam. Oh, okay. Yes. And he doesn't hear this conversation, but he sees the two and he's like, they kind of look like they're twins. <laughs> And he's just like, that's also, concerning. And also just occurred to me, we're having two twin books in a row. Is your upcoming book twins? No. Secret oh, Vampire. They, they were, were twins. twins. I forgot they were twins. And they were brother Lil sister and Phil. twins. No. I know it wasn't Lil, but that <laughs> but one was Phil. I know. That's why I, in my mind Phil it's Lil and, and Poppy. Pop. I almost forgot her name. Lil and Phil. So Dee sees Scatty there and is like, whoa, last I heard she was in a girl band in Germany. Huh. <laughs> What? That's just what he says. And so then he's like, all right, we're attacking. And a, a golem and rats go in and they start fighting. And Scatty manages to break the spell on the golem and explains that magical creatures are kept animated by a spell. And you just have to be able to break it mm-hmm. to to end it all. Mm-hmm. And she was using, it was like <laughs> straight up, like looked like a paper bomb in Naruto. Like they were like, oh, she had like nice. a little paper on it. I was like, I love it. And so Flamel manages to ward off all the rats using, you know, his powers. And he says, one of the oldest secrets oh sorry <coughs> one of the oldest secrets of alchemy is that every living thing from the most complex creatures right down to the simplest leaf carries the seed of its creation within itself and so this is when Josh is like oh wait so alchemists knew about DNA like way before scientists and he's like oh, of course and so alchemy is like all about like the construction and reconstruction <laughs> alchemy the science of understanding deconstructing and reconstructing and matter it is that does come down to DNA. And I was like, yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's a living thing, if it's, or, well, if all, it's organic all, material. Every, but everything is made of organic material. Does he know what organic means? Like, and that doesn't actually come up. All is one and one is all, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so what happened, like, Flamel, like, managed to cause trees to grow up by waking up the DNA of floorboards. Okay. Uh-huh. It was magic. And, and Flamel goes, I wasn't actually sure if I could do magic anymore, but I guess I can. <laughs> <laughs> but And then we find out that neither Flamel or Scatty have driver's license or know how to drive. Because they, they're just like, Scatty was like, I was going to, and I just haven't gotten around to it. And they're Flamel, 15. No, Flamel and oh, Scatty don't sorry, have. Sorry, no, sorry. For some reason, I thought. These immortal, which. Right, uh, right. These immortal beings. Yes. My bad. Flamel's just like, I've always preferred public transportation. And like, if you get a car, like, there's a paper trail, and Dee could find us. And Scatty's just like, I'm just busy. <laughs> <laughs> I never leave this dojo. <laughs> Pretty much. So Josh is their getaway driver because he's like had some driver's license. Like, you know. He's got a permit. Hush, hush. <laughs> he doesn't have his license. I don't know if he has a permit, but he's had like. He's had driver's ed. I don't know about, or his like family has been like, get ready, kid. One day you're going to drive. 
Is that a thing people do? I think mostly in states like Idaho and other Midwest. Well, in so at least in Iowa, you can get a, a provisional license at 14. Is that to drive a tractor? No, to drive oh. a car. But you cannot drive with anybody in your car outside of like family. Yeah. And okay. you can only drive like to certain places because mm-hmm. everything's so fucking far away. They're like, you can just, you, you can have go to, to have the a store. Yeah, or like to school. I think my cousin got one. I'm Ooh. really not sure. So the, the, all you need to know is Josh knows how to drive to okay. some extent. Great. And he's the getaway driver. Oh, my God. And Flamel's just like, well, you know, there are all these old, there are these older methods of travel I use. Wait, <laughs> so they have a car, though? They, they may have stolen one. I'm, <laughs> I don't know. There's like a, there's some GTA stuff in this book. Okay, that's good. Uh, so anyway, they're stuck on the Golden Gate Bridge because there's traffic. It's of course. It's the Golden yes. Gate yeah, in obviously. the summertime. I've never been there, but I know. Me neither. And, and it just, Flamel confirms that Alcatraz is wicked haunted. He's just like, oh, yeah. A lot of shit going down there. <laughs> and Scatty explains, finally explains to the teens that she's not human. She is of the elder race. And she explains that a lot of things that have become folklore and legend, like werewolves, vampires, giants, dragons, monsters, and gods, are really like how the human world have rem- memorialized and like kind of turned into stories of this elder race that mm-hmm. she's a part of. And she's like, we're just an old race that has turned to legend. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And Sophie's like, well, what happened to the elder race? And verbatim, Scatty goes, the flood, capitalized, dot, 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 among other things. Uh, like the flood from the Bible? Yeah. Wait, really? Uh-huh. We'll get into that. Okay. Um, so they discuss how humans have actually humans have actually existed for much longer than people realized and have lived on Earth at the same time as dinosaurs and older creatures. And they're like, hold up. Our parents are archaeologists. That's not true. They, something's not adding up. And then they're like, no, like, humans did exist. And there was, like, some kind of different human-type species that had been recently discovered. And Scotty's like, that, like, explains it. And they're like, wow. This shit's real. Also, at one point earlier, when they, I think when they first got to the dojo, Josh was like googling Nicholas Flamel and John D to see like if any of this was real, and like everything, like he got all the Wikipedia pages, and he was just like, well, either this guy's telling the truth or he's just a fanboy. He read up all on Nicholas Flamel and has like all these weird friends that RP as these people. It's just a really elaborate LARP. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, somehow it comes up that William Shakespeare, I think someone qu- someone quotes Shakespeare, and Nicholas goes, oh, Shakespeare, yeah, he was briefly uh, my apprentice, but then he turned evil and started working for D. What? Shakespeare's evil. Shakespeare was evil? He was an and evil magician. No, we don't know if he was a sorcerer, alchemist, magician, or otherwise, oh, okay. but he was, he turned evil. Mm-hmm. I somehow find that difficult. Prospero from The Tempest is based on D, according to Flamel, which I... I don't think you've seen The Tempest by your face. I've, I've read The you Tempest. You did? Okay. <laughs> your face, I was just like, never mind. Yeah, in um, AP Lit, we had to read uh, The Tempest and A Tempest. Well, The Tempest. Yes. Prospero. Yes. I saw a really cool production of this. Uh, so many tangents. But I saw this really cool production of The Tempest. And uh, what's the, like, spirit? Ariel? Ariel, right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, he was like a sleight of hand magician. Oh, like the, the uh, yeah. it was like and it was like a really well trained like sleight of hand magician who played him. Yeah, it was so fun. And so I think Prospero too. But I just remember like the the spirit character was like particularly like really cool with like the card tricks and stuff. It was yeah, fun. We read um a Tempest, which is like the Tempest from Prospero's perspective. Fun. Meanwhile, tens of thousands of birds are flying at the bridge. <gasps> the birds. The birds. Hitchcock. <laughs> they are the Morgan's children. We find out. Oh, so the Morgan is a bird? Mm, not, not exactly. Okay. Bird-like? We're almost there. It's on this page of notes. So they're like, we got to get off this bridge. <laughs> and so, like, Josh is like, Woo! driving, like, dude, cutting through lanes on the Golden Gate Bridge. And Nick and Scatty are trying to, like, fight off the birds as they can. And Nick just makes a phone call suddenly. And we cut. It's, another, it's very choppy narrative, um, mm-hmm. a lot like Blue Bloods. So we cut to Perry. And as she's being, like, taken out of the car, something smudges the warding magic. He drawn, like, warding symbols on her. Mm-hmm. And so it gets smudged the tiniest bit. But that's enough for Perry. And so she, we find out that she was studying magic before she even met Flamel. And it all goes back to the fact that she is, this is, it's our seventh episode. Perry was the seventh daughter of a seventh daughter, which is, at least in the world of fantasy, extremely significant. Mm. I I assume there's a historical basis for it, but because, like, this, Sept- this book called Septimus Heap has a similar setup, but, like, being the seventh daughter, a seventh daughter, like, really significant since seven, two sevens and they're lucky numbers. There's a Wikipedia page. Seventh son of a seventh son. Yeah. Is a concept from folklore regarding special powers given to or held by such a son. The seventh son must come from an unbroken line with no female siblings born between and in turn be born to such a seventh son. The number seven has a long history of mystical and biblical significance. Okay. And some beliefs the special powers are inborn, inherited simply by virtue of his birth order and others the powers are granted him by god or the gods because of his birth order okay so that Um, but for daughters and it applies to Perry. there's alleged real life examples oh my god please tell me there's someone we know um can you say fucking to the show len dawson former quarterback of the uh kansas city chiefs oh okay he identifies as the seventh (laughs) seventh son oh um but most of it is like just in oh there's regional variations but there's, there's, I guess it just has to do with the number seven being. Yeah, that lucky. Yeah, that's why I figured yeah. because it's, well, we might get into Septimus Heap one day, but that's a seventh son of a seventh son. Well, Perry escapes, mm-hmm. but then the Morrigan shows up and she managed to like catch Perry as she was escaping. Mm-hmm. And so this is when we find out that the Morrigan is the Celtic crow goddess and the goddess of death and destruction. Mm-hmm. And she's like this very elegant, pale, dark, like, what? What do you expect a Celtic crow goddess woman to look like? Mm-hmm. And it, it notes that she used to have two sisters, but they kind of disappeared. And Dee's just like, I think there was some foul play involved. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So the Morgan just shows up and it's like, all right, we got to go. We got to go take care of this problem. <laughs> My birds are trying to help us, but we got to go take care of this. And so they're, we get back to Nick and co. And they're trying to drive away and fight off the birds. And then suddenly there's a loud like wind noise coming and they smell pomegranates and the birds are like wow they're gone <laughs> what's up with all these smells you find out it's like a whole magic like or like the same way that auras have like Colors, color there's have scents involved interesting yeah your aura smells like shit <laughs> 
sorry. I'm just imagining. I mean, rotten eggs is what D smells like. Well, yeah. Well, just people are like, oh, you have a really drab aura. Imagine someone just walked up and you're like, your aura smells like shit. I'm sure someone has that. <laughs> so the birds are gone because of this magic wind. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like the wind that knocked Spain out when they were trying to go attack England. The Spanish Armada was going. Oh, yeah. The Protestant winds. Yes. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Uh, I, I think about that more than I probably should. I forgot all about that. was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they escape into the woods, and now they have, like, these giant werebores running alongside their car. <laughs> and one of the twins goes, werebores? Like werewolves? And Scatty goes, no, different clan. Where are the boars? There they are. That's a little too close. Oof. Yeah, so these werebores are running alongside them, and it took me a bit to figure out if they were on their side or not. They are. And they've entered this different realm. They are in the domain of one of the greatest of the elder race. And Scatty's just like, well, she tried to kill me the last time I saw her. (laughs) And Nick is like, you're being dramatic. It's fine. She goes, she abandoned me in the underworld. Mm, That's a dick move. (laughs) And so emerges this tall woman with jet black skin, buzz cut white hair, pupils the color of butter, and a shimmering rainbow dress. The color of butter. I don't know why. <laughs> what a description. What a description. <laughs> they could have just said cream. And I know I'm going to fuck up this name so much because it's one of those things that I knew the name but never heard it said out loud. Mm. And they provide a pronunciation. Mm-hmm. But, but it's, it's not how difficult. I would protect oh, pr- pronounce it myself. Okay. So the correct pronunciation is Hecate. Oh, okay. But I always read it as Hecate because it's H-E-K-A-T-E. Yes. But it's Hecate. And it's the goddess with three faces. Yeah, so I, I actually only knew about this because I played a D&D campaign where one of my fellow players was named. She said Hecate, but regardless. Well... Hecate. And so the boars are like her, her crew. We find out the werebores. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And Nick is like, D probably knows where we are, but he would never try to attack us because Hecate is so strong. He would probably need like two dark elders to join him. Like even the Morgan is not strong enough as like a comrade for D at this point. Mm. That's how that's how strong Hecate is. Good for her. But Nick also brings up the point that D is arrogant and has the codex. Mm. <laughs> And so Flamel shows Hecate the ripped pages and she's like having this freak out. And you find out that first generation elders have an aversion to the codex. Like they can't, they can, they'll like probably try to kill someone if they see the pages. Okay. Yep. And Hecate hates the codex and Abraham, who's the man that created it. And she mentions that Abraham had the gift of sight and prophesied that the codex would be needed someday and that there's a lot of like you know, secrets and prophecies in it. And Nick is just like, you know, I I don't know the the secret of, like, the creation of the book, and I don't even know who Abraham is. Like, I, there's so much about this book I don't know. And he's just like, but what I do know is I have these two twins here, and I think you need to check them out because of the prophecy. And Hecate's just like, these are two humans. Like, they're definitely not the prophecy. Like, just because they're, she's like, twins, maybe, but I doubt it. She's like, I don't, I don't think it's them. But then Hecate discovers the twins have silver and gold auras. And then there's, like, another one of those magic smell things where one of the twins suddenly is just like, I smell oranges. And then one goes, smell vanilla ice cream. Like, there's a fucking creamsicle going on. So more smells. <laughs> and Scatty says that it's extremely rare to have pure colored auras. And 
they have that, but even rarer is to have a silver or gold mm. aura. So this is like very, very strange that there's twins that have one pure silver and one pure gold aura. But which one is better, gold or silver? Shh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, neither. <laughs> Scatty says the last person that she knows of that had a silver aura was Joan of Arc, and that she actually trained Joan of Arc and fought beside oh, her. Oh my god. Joan of Arc is a main character in the sequel. She's living with her boyfriend, who is some other historic figure in Paris. Okay. She survived, at least. Okay. And the last person Scatty can think of who had a gold aura is King Tut. So Josh is just like, ha, mine's rarer than yours, so obviously I'm better than you, so there's your answer. (laughs) Okay. Those colors of aura are a sign of extremely strong powers and great magicians. And then Josh goes, wait a minute, Joan of Arc, King Tut, they both died when they were like 19 years old and scatty's just like (laughs) anyway yeah but you'll die today (laughs) (laughs) pretty much (laughs) and then we find out that this prophecy they're talking about is that abraham predicted the island of danu talis which is the world of the elders would come again when the two that are one and the one that is all have arrived when the sun and moon are united so they're like sun and moon silver and gold aura is there a whole eclipse thing here too no oh maybe in a later book i didn't read the whole series the sun and moon united is very fma promise day yeah lunar eclipse and the two that are one and the one that is all i'm just like all is one one is all one is all but um they're like the two that are one means the twins Probably. And Hecate's just like, last time I took a student, it didn't go well. And, like, stares at Scatty. <laughs> There's so much shade between these characters. What happened? They just don't have, they just have clashing personalities. Yeah, I, I can see Scatty that. doesn't get along with a lot of people. <laughs> well, hmm, uh, doesn't surprise no. me. <laughs> and Nicholas just like, look, I just need you to awaken their powers. Because if I try to do it myself, it would take years to slowly just, like, naturally awaken their powers. But because you're, like, this powerful elder, you can just kind of abruptly awaken their magical abilities. Uh, And then he's like, I'll go find people who can teach them the five magics. Mm. And then Sophie's like, there's something wrong with this house. And Josh goes, Sophie, we're in a fucking tree. (laughs) They're in the tree of life. Uh, Yggdrasil. Oh, I don't yeah. know how to pronounce it. Yeah, pronunciation. Yggdrasil. Yeah. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yggdrasil? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, where Hecate lives is inside Yggdrasil, the tree of life. Mm. And all of their electronics are dying because they're in the shadow realm, which mm-hmm. exists partially in the human world and partially uh, in another space and time. And so it fucks with your electronics. So like Josh's computer's totally dead. His phone's dead. And he's just like, oh, we're just like having no way to contact anyone. We're fine. That's fine. And so the twins are in their bedroom and Scotty's at the doorway. And she's just like, you need to invite me. Across so, the threshold. Across the threshold. And Josh is like, well, are you a vampire? And Scotty's like, I mean, technically, yeah. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> she's like, I don't drink blood. My clan doesn't, we don't drink blood. Mm-hmm. And and she explains that all these different types of immortal creatures, like there are the werevores that are not, they say humani or humani, humani, but I'm just going to say human. Mm-hmm. Uh, so werevores, they're like, they're not human, but they existed, they existed before humans. And werevores are actually the ones that taught humans like about the world. And there she goes, think about all of the 
ancient art about animals and like animal headed gods and things like that. That's the history, like what's left of the history. And she's like, similarly, there are different types of vampires. And there are some vampires that drink blood, but her clan doesn't. And Scatty says that the legends that they know all have some basis of truth. So to just always bear that in mind now that they're in this crazy world, Mm -hmm. that whatever story you've been told, there's a kernel of truth in there. Mm -hmm. And then we cut back to Perry, and Perry overhears Dee in the Morrigan talking about how Nick and Co. are in Hecate's shadow realm, and the Morrigan isn't strong enough to attack Hecate because the Morrigan is a newer generation, whereas... Hecate is the first generation of Elder. Mm. So the the Morgan says that they should wake up Bastet. Bastet? 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 Bast. <laughs> Not Bast. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Uh, Bastet, who is also first generation Elder. And so Perry hears this and is freaking out because Bastet is extremely dangerous. Bad news. Bad and, news, Bastet. And this is where we find out that Ever since Perry was a kid, she could see ghosts. Oh, so I actually, I did have this little bit spoiled for me on that Wikipedia page. Oh, seventh. Yeah, the seven, like, because she's ghosts. the seventh of seven, She's she could see ghosts. Yeah, and it, that power awakened on her seventh birthday. Oh, that part wasn't included. Yeah, and she had actually been kind of protecting herself from the ghosts because she's like, especially like all these elderly people, they just pop up at you when you're like in the bathroom or trying to have a moment <laughs> to yourself and they start complaining. So... What she explains is that I forget what color her aura is. Um, I think it might be. I think she has like a clear aura. Yeah, she's kind of a very clear white aura that attracts the ghosts. Mm. So she using like her cool powers and like insane abilities kind of like almost like put up layers of other color, like disguised her aura to Mm -hmm. block out the ghosts. Mm. But she's like. I need the ghosts on my side. And she's just like beacon light her aura and all these ghosts pop up. And there's one that looks like he's from around this general time period. And Mm -hmm. he's dressed like a security guard. So she's just like, hey, do you know where I am? And he explains. He's like, yeah, like I used to work here in this building. Like you're in this office building in San Francisco. Blah, 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 blah. So this ghost explains that like she's in this building in San Francisco and he when the ghost finds out that she's being held against her will he's like he's such a sweet guy he's just like I want to I, I want to help you he's like but you know because I'm a ghost I'm stuck here like I can't leave and she's just like no like I can help you move on to like the shadow realm where ghosts go. <laughs> the shadow realm. That's th- that's where Hecate's house is. It's the shadow realm. <laughs> Banished into just... the shadow realm. Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for that to click. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's just like, oh, like my wife passed before I did, and you know, I think she's already somehow managed to move on to this afterlife, the shadow realm. And Perry's like, no problem. Like, can you pass a message to my husband for me when you go to the shadow realm? And this really nice security guard is just like, ma'am, I'm going to help you get out of here no matter how I, what I have to do. I'll, I'll send that message to your husband. Like, ma'am, like, I'm not a mailman. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like the upstanding citizen. Anyway, so he goes off. And we cut to 
Josh and Sophie joining Nick and Scatty for dinner, and they're just like, hey, when can we leave? <laughs> I want to go home. And Nick explains that their lives and their family and friends' lives are at danger because of D. Even though he's human, he thinks like a dark elder and thinks that humans are worthless and he'll destroy not only Josh and Sophie, but everyone they know just to make sure that there's no loose ends mm. and, like, no one that could be anywhere near finding out about the plan. Mm. So Josh and Sophie are like, great. Literally, not only us, but everyone we everyone we know Good for them. could die. Great. They're like, well, can't we just run? Like, how is D going to find us? And Nick is just like, you smell like wild magic now because you've been exposed to magic so much in the past few hours or however long it's been. Uh-huh. And the scents that they've been picking up throughout the book are magic scents of people. And then and they're sitting around this dinner table and an elderly woman who looks like she must be Hecate's mother or grandmother shows up and it's just like, you know what? I'm so pissed off that you came here. You need to leave. I've decided these are not the twins from the prophecy. They're human. It's definitely not them. And Josh is just like, I'm sorry, your daughter was going to help us. And then Hecate flips out. She's like, I don't have a daughter. And this is when they find out that that's Hecate. <laughs> and Josh is just like, oh, I made a mistake. And so Hecate is going out to kill Josh because of this one comment. And Scatty whips out a knife and is yelling at her in like an old language and manages to stop Hecate from killing anyone. And she leaves. Um, and <laughs> Nick is like, Josh, you just really offended her because she's a three-faced goddess. She ages with the day. So mm. in the morning, she's like a young girl. And by the night, she's an elderly woman. And so she's very sensitive about her age. Mm. And she's basically a different person throughout the day, too. Like, her personality shifts. Mm-hmm. Like, she might do something as a girl that she doesn't remember by noon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's a lot of fun to be around. I think you can see why she and Scatty had some problems. She seems like a handful. Yes. I mean, Scatty does as well, <laughs> and those should not mix. Yeah. And uh, Scatty reveals that the reason she's able to, like, stop her and like with the knife that she whipped out is that her knife is iron, and first-generation elders are very vulnerable to iron. And Josh is just like, I feel like that you're going to tell me ghosts exist. And Scatty's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Why would he be surprised at this point? No, I don't know. And then Nick is just like, I really hope Hecate forgets about this little issue when she wakes up in the morning because I really need her to awaken your powers. And so Nick is kind of off on his own now and he's thinking about the prophecy. And this is the full prop. There's many prophecies, but this is the one he's thinking of. There will come a time when the book is taken and the queen's man is allied with the crow. Then the elder will step out of the shadow, and the immortal must train the mortal. The two that are one must become the one that is all. And so he's like, yeah, the book's been taken. D is the queen's man, the crow goddess. That's happened. Uh, He doesn't know which elder is stepping out of the shadow, but he's like, D is probably working with all these dark elders. He is immortal, and he must train these mortal twins. The two that are one must become the one that is all. He's like, well, they're talking about the twins, but he has no clue what is meant by the one that is all. So He needs to spend 30 days on on an an island. island. Yeah. So then he's kind of, you get an explanation about how children often show signs of powers. And then when you get older, you humans kind of have this way of repressing like powers. Like they, as like a kind of race now, kind of close themselves off to whatever way you keep yourself open to powers Mm -hmm. but a lot of times you still see signs of it in children and basically essentially because it's not like trained it goes away but the signs of magic powers in children are what humans call like poltergeist activity Uh, (laughs) of course yeah 
classic. And then we get a background on his alchemy life, blah, 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 blah. And he talks about how people think there's only four elements. Water, earth, fire, fire and air. air. But there's Long a, ago, sorry. <laughs> there's a fifth element. Can you guess what it is? What? Time. Oh, my God. Time, really? And this is what is at the center of the codex, which is why time is the essence that allows them to be immortal. But yeah, it's a fifth element. And, and he's it's also... all about controlling time. Like, he's still all in on the four elements, well, I guess five elements thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are the five... Those are the five areas of magic that they have to be trained in. Okay. The, yeah. And he talk, he's thinking about how alchemy was simple at first and it just brought them wealth and they because they were like turning things into gold and stuff. And, you know, they were being very charitable. They opened hospitals. They were helping just improve Paris. But then they started finding more of the secrets within the codex and that they found the Philosopher's Stone and that's what led them really into this world of elders and the whole disaster their lives have become. Mm-hmm. And... There are moments like this when he kind of thinks about what if I had never found this book? What if I had never become an alchemist? But then he ultimately decides, no, he would never change it for a thing, even though he really misses Perry right now. Mm -hmm. They're such a good couple. Yeah. And we find out that the elders have been split in terms of human relations for basically all of time since humans existed. There's some that are like, no, we should live amongst the humans as equals and others that are just like, they are slaves. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there's horrible battles throughout all of history have really been battles of the elders regarding like, how do they live in this world where humans are also living? Uh Uh-huh. And the most destructive war was, is remembered as the flood. You don't get more details, but you just, the flood that the biblical flood really was a war of the elders. Mm. And Abraham managed to cast all of these elders out of the human world into like these shadow realms. <laughs> but the codex includes a spell to bring them back, which is what D is after. Mm. And so then this whole monologue is broken by the ghost popping up and being like, excuse me, are you Monsieur Flamel? Monsieur. I have a message from your wife and explains what's happening and that Bastet is being woken up and that they're screwed. And so we cut to the twins and they're freaked out and trying to process what's going on and they're just like, I tried to figure out how this could be faked, but there's no way like the, the birds, like there's no way that could have been faked. This has to all be real then. Like there's no way. They're trying to figure out like they're like, are we on punked or like the birds work for the bourgeoisie? They do. <laughs> so they're just really freaked out. And they're just like, I don't know how we got into this mess or what they're talking about a prophecy. We need to get out of here. So there's like they sneak out and they're going to like drive off in the car and they're like, we'll go live in the desert. No one will find us there. Yeah, and then we'll die of dehydration. Well, they're gonna when they say that they mean they're gonna go find their parents in the desert. Uh. <laughs> um, but the car battery's dead because it's a shadow realm. Mm. And these weird creatures. They were really just gonna drive out of the shadow realm. Yeah, like it was gonna be easy. Well, it was easy to drive into the shadow realm. That's what their logic was. I mean. I feel like anybody who goes into a situation like that has to realize... They're not getting out easily. Yeah. yeah. And so then these weird lizard people creatures pop out and they're like, we're gonna die! And they're like, no, we're here, we're here to help you. And then we cut to D. He's in Los Angeles and he's thinking about how his bosses have kind of screwed up and they've moved too quickly and how if he had even just one extra day to plan, he could have gotten both Flamel's and the book without any pages missing. And we get some of his history. Born in the 1500s, he was... An astrologer, mathematician, astronomer, 
and a spy for Queen Elizabeth. He traveled throughout Europe spying on other countries because how talented he was, it was easy for him to get invited to all these like royal courts and these important places. Mm -hmm. And then he'd just send notes back to the queen about what was going on. And all of his secret reports were signed off 007. I gotta go. <laughs> yep. This is my last episode of the podcast. <laughs> Nick Cage is coming for us. <laughs> Nick Cage is the next Bond confirmed. <laughs> oh, God. And then he talked about how he met the Flamels in Paris, and they were supposed to be long dead by then, but because he had read so much about alchemy and stuff, he recognized their pictures. Wait. Because there was, like, drawings of them and what they looked like. Do they explain why it's 007? No. Oh. That's just, like, you're supposed to be like, wow, he's the original James Bond. Uh-huh. They really just, like, They did not. Up. There's no explanation. <laughs> Mr. Michael Scott. <laughs> Sir, excuse me. Ireland's best. <laughs> I'm starting to question that. <laughs> anyway, so he meets the Flamels in Paris and it's just like, oh my God, please teach me. And Nick is so excited. And Perry's kind of like, I don't know about this, but Nick is so excited. He gives so, me a bad vibe. Yeah, Perry has a bad vibe from D. And Nick's just like, no, look at it. It's like a sun for us. <laughs> and then one night, a gargoyle just pops up into D's room. It's like, hey, someone wants to meet with you on the roof of Notre Dame. Come with me. Hey, you want to be evil? And, and D's just like, I assumed I couldn't turn down this invitation, so I went. And the Morrigan is there and promises that if D helps the dark elders steal the codex then he will one day rule the world and he believes that any contract that just says one day and he's like especially where these dark elders are like we want to come back to power and the morgan's just like you will be the ruler of all do you really believe that t i want to see it in writing i want to have it looked at by a lawyer yeah a spiritual whatever this mystical world is lawyer Yep. And then the Morgan also is just like, oh, you, you can't really trust Flamel. Like, we've been cast out. Like, it's so wrong. Blah, blah, blah. So the Morgan convinces D, and that's when he starts trying to kill them all the time. <laughs> that's good. Anyway, back in L.A., he's being guided by this, like, man dressed in ancient Egypt garb, ancient Egyptian garbs through this dark mansion, not a single light on because whoever lives here prefers the dark. Anyway, it's like, it takes so long for him to even, it's just like a long-winded description that's not needed. Ultimately, what happens is he has a conversation with Bastet, the cat-headed goddess uh, from ancient Egypt, uh-huh. and she is thrilled at the first mention of overthrowing the world and bringing the dark elders back to power mm. she's just like say no more let's go fuck shit up let's go fam uh-huh and so then we cut back to josh and sophie's attempt to escape and these lizard people bring them back in and nick goes you could have been killed or worse expelled <laughs> that's what i thought when i read that he just goes or worse so she's like expelled <laughs> and they can't trust the lizard people though i mean come on and so josh goes we aren't your prisoners. And they specify that Nick's accent is getting thicker by the day. And he goes, we are all prisoners of circumstance. Well, Mal would be a, a, a philosophy professor. Like, I'm, he would. Those lectures would be just impossible to follow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Nick explains that fate has led them to this moment and that there's this prophecy that the two that are one will either destroy or save the world. It's kind of up for interpretation because of the ancient language that it's written in, but Flamel has always assumed it meant that one has the potential to destroy the world and the other has the potential to save it. And I just think that 
this is a great thing to be telling the twins at this point. Like, I uh, think one of you is the one of you could like one, destroy. Is, one of you is the ultimate evil. The other one is the ultimate good. Yeah. Not sure which. But at least Sophie's taking it lightheartedly and jokes. Well, we know Josh. We know which one Josh is. Oh <laughs> and then Nick reveals what he found out that Bastet has joined D and is planning on attacking, and that elder fights can be catastrophic and usually causes many natural disasters. Mm. Hecate shows up and looking like an 11 year old girl. And she says, like, look, I really wish you hadn't shown up, but she just agrees that they're the twins of the prophecy. She won't awaken their powers because it could drive them insane doing that. Hmm. And Josh is just like... That's a concern. Josh is like, I'm sorry, could what now? And then Josh also manages to piss off. So Hecate stor- like leaves. She's like, no, I won't change my mind. I'm not awakening their powers. It could kill them. Mm. Or also not good. Yeah. Or worse. <laughs> Expel you. <laughs> and then Gaddy gets mad at Josh because he's being annoying and goes, you are foolish, ill-advised, and reckless. I'm just like, yeah, that's a teen boy. Yeah. Uh, and we find out that Scatty and Invented judo? <laughs> Technically not. She invented the older version that became judo, but she essentially invented judo. Judo doesn't originate from... She's Irish, right? Yeah, but she's global. Remember, she used to be in Germany, and she lives in a dojo. But that's also not where judo originated. Yeah, <laughs> no. She's... It makes no sense. But she's just... Because she's a warrior goddess, and they're trying to show that, like, just because well, it's the, rooted in one... The Wikipedia page begs to differ... Wow, it Give, does. Put some respect on Jigoro Kano's name. Well, she probably trained him. My brother actually did judo, fun fact. Fun. He used to flip me as a oh. recreation. It was actually quite fun. <laughs> that sounds right for your family. <laughs> your one's duct taped to a wall, right? Yeah. Yep. I volunteered. It was a mistake. Yeah. Um, where was I? Judo? Judo. She cre- This she Irish created- vampire created judo. Yeah. Anyway, Nick follows Hecate to try to rationalize with her and be like, just awaken their powers. And they're having this conversation. And she's just like, they could die. Like, is that something you're ready to risk? And he's just like, look, I'm so old. I've lost so many friends along the way. And she's just like, do you, you know, do you feel for these losses? And he goes, I feel for each and every one of them every day. And she's just like, okay, you're still human. I guess I'll awaken their powers. But I'm only human. Uh, And then she goes, one person's actions can have grave consequence. One man created iron, and that was the end of the elders. One man just created iron. Oh, because iron is like a... She's like, he was messing around with different metals and created iron. Iron is an element. Not in this book. (laughs) Iron is on the periodic table. I need some... I need need Kuro in here to fact check that. That's true. That's real. I know. know. No one created iron. We discovered it. Yeah, not in this book. (laughs) Well, apparently there's only five elements and one of them is time, so... Yeah, anyway... She talks about how there's, like, this one, like, guy that was, like, mixing things and created iron. And he just created well, this iron. Is probably, so I think probably what it is is, like, the periodic elements were created his, throughout. His, like, because we're talking, like, before the flood. We're talking eons ago. Like, this is predates known history. So probably the rationale is, yes, now it's an element. 
but it ha- it had to be created somehow. That's not how. That's it, not how well, science, science works. doesn't work in this book. Yeah, science isn't real here. I'm, I'm struggling with that a little bit. Yeah, I've lie. totally <laughs> lost track of where I am. Anyway, <laughs> this man created iron. Let's just yeah. move on. So she's talking about she's like this one little thing, like this one man. He created iron, just like happened to create iron, and now because we like elders can't stand it. It destroyed our race. Just to show how one small action can have huge consequence. Wow. But but then Nick goes, what happened to him? And she goes, I killed him. Oh, my God. And she's like, all right, I'll awaken them. Um, And then we cut to Dee, who's driving through San Francisco. And all the cats of San Francisco are running alongside the cars and going because Bastet's the cat goddess. And then we... I support her. Yeah, uh, she's insane. So are cats. Yeah. So we cut back to Josh, and he really doesn't think he should be trusting Flamel with anything at this point. And he's talking to Sophie, and he's like, I don't think we should go through with it. But because Sophie wants to go through with the awakening, Josh is like, well then I'm going to do it with you. I'm not going to let you be the only one. Meanwhile, there's a, a battle happening outside because the birds, the cats, bird people, and cat people are fighting Scatty and her crew. The birds and cats are working together? Because they're the Morgan and Bastet are on just, the same side. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, so this is when Nekma and Karasuno team up. <laughs> they team up. And fight. I really don't know. Who, who are the boars? Who are the wear boars in a fight <laughs> you? Um, well, there's no pig. Shiratori's out. <laughs> They're, they're like eagles. Eagles, I know. They're also on the bird side. Hmm. Uh, anyway, Scotty asks when Nick is going to tell the twins the full truth, and he goes, in time. And she's just like, you don't have much time. You're already aging because you don't have your elixir. He's just like, all right, now's not the time. We're fucking fighting cats and bird people and whatnot. Hecate awakens Sophie's powers and does say that there's a chance her brain could shut down and she'll be comatose. And Josh freaks out. He's like, you let her go through with this. And Flamel let her go through with this. She could go into a coma at any minute. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Sophie is at risk of going into a coma because of this awakening. uh, And Josh is pissed. With Flamel and Hecate is just like, hey, Flamel rarely tells the entire truth. So just take that, just bear that in mind. And so Sophie's going through this awakening and she's kind of like unconscious right now um, as like her body processes it. And then they realize that the tree of life is on fire Mm. and they got to go. The tree of not, you're not going to have a life if you stay inside it. Wow. <laughs> so Josh confronts Flamel and he's just like, how could you do this? You knew there was a chance that like this could kill us. Sophie could be in a coma right now. And Flamel's like, hey, I knew you would survive because you have the strongest auras I've seen in like forever. Like I knew there was no way you wouldn't survive the process. So they're trying to escape from this burning down tree and animal war happening. Uh-huh. The warrior cats are out there. Uh, warrior cats. Yup. Too bad neither of us read those. I'm. Not, it's very great that none of us read those. No, I'm extremely grateful, but it would be funny to reread. Yeah. I'm not no, gonna read it not. For, I'm not going to read it for the first time. No, I'm never. But if read I had read it no. before, it would be funny to reread it. Yeah. Anyway, so the tree is tied to Hecate's power, so that's why they're trying to burn it down, because if they weaken the tree, they weaken Hecate. Mm-hmm. And it's not working too well, though. Hecate's still really strong right now. So it turns out D has one of the elemental swords. Specifically, he has Excalibur, the sword of ice. <gasps> Excalibur? It was supposedly lost when Artorius died, a.k.a. Arthur. 
Artorius. Yes, the Latin. Artorius. But D must have found it. So he's just wielding this Excalibur ice sword. And there's a lot of battle and cool action. Scatty also uses nunchucks. That's like one of her favorite things to use. So this was really such a choice. It really was. It really was. <laughs> and we cut back to Perry, who's being escorted out of her jail cell by Simulcra, which are yes. the, like faceless people, creature things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, she's being escorted out of her jail cell. Ooh. Perry is being escorted out of the jail cell by these Simulcra creatures when the ghost shows up and... Um, uses like puddle basically or something to like show her live action what's happening in the shadow realm Mm -hmm. like just kind of does like a visual portal Mm -hmm. and she sees that Flamel is like on the ground about to be like demolished by Bastet and like that everything's falling apart and so Perry being the strong motherfucker she is manages to escape her guards and she creates a message portal and wakes Sophie up because she's still unconscious and like being like she's like kind of they like kind of like put her down they're like we'll get her out here somehow um and she manages to wake up Sophie and then Perry starts channeling through Sophie and it's so badass she puts Bastet in her place she's like saying all this shit to her and she calls her by her like true names and you know names are power mm-hmm. um and manages to like nullify Bastet's power for a bit and Bastet's just like I'm sorry this is a this is a child and she's like no a child would and she's like who are you and Nick just goes Perry <laughs> Perry the platypus <laughs> yup and so Perry's just like Nick you need to take the twins and you need to go south to the witch that is witch with a capital W and then suddenly D's just like we gotta fucking do something so he stabs the tree with Excalibur and because this is an extremely powerful sword it like freezes the tree and it kills it and so now Hecate is also dying and she has this like matrix glitch when she dies where like her she'll have like the face of a child and like the body of an old woman like her mm-hmm. like she's just glitching through all her different like lifestyle like life forms whatever life stages life stages yeah and then so Josh is so pissed off and he's just like did you know all of this was going to happen and this is when they've already escaped <laughs> I forgot mm-hmm. to say there's a skip here mm-hmm. so they steal D's car nice. and they escape the car his car works well cause he parked like on the outskirts oh, of like, cause the they were realm. like yeah cause mm. they were like sneaking in mm. anyway so Josh is pissed and he's just like did you know this would happen and Nick gives some long winded explanation that doesn't answer the question and Josh is just like okay did you know it would happen just fucking answer me and Nick says no and Scotty goes I hear a butt in there that just proves that if he was a philosophy professor if you're like so is this gonna be on the exam he'd be like just launch into some random explanation Mm -hmm. that does not answer your question so Nick reveals that nothing was written about this whole Hecate and the tree of life burning situation but there are a, a lot of prophecies that reference twins so there's like a lot of things that could probably be about them and he promises that he has done everything in his power to protect Josh and Sophie and that he didn't realize they were the prophecy twins until the bookshop incident like uh-huh. when he discovered their auras uh-huh. and Scatty says that Josh can trust Flamel when he gives you his word because giving someone your word meant a lot when Flamel was still like human so like in the 1300s like yeah, yeah people's words meant something words have really devalued yeah, the yeah. word inflation Oof. everybody's got a million of them yeah so they decide to stop for food 
And Sophie wakes up. And Josh is like, oh my God, are you okay? And she's like, I mean, I kind of feel a little flu-like. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. <laughs> but otherwise, it's fine. And she says it just feels like a light switch was flipped in her brain. Nick reveals that they're visiting the Witch of Endor, who is Scatty's grandmother. And Scatty's just like, no, can we go anywhere else? Like... We can't go see this woman. Mm. <laughs> First, you take me to Hecate, who tried to kill me once, and now you're bringing me to my grandmother, who probably also tried to kill me once. Uh, and we cut back to the Shadow Realm, which is Hecate's Shadow Realm, which is collapsing because Hecate's dead, so it will no longer exist. And so the Morrigan and Bastet are like, we need to leave. Like, if you are in a Shadow Realm when it is destroyed, then you cease to exist. Yeah. It's a true death, yeah. they say. And Dee's like, hold up, I can get some valuable information because I'm a necromancer. So he uses necromancy to conjure Hecate's spirit. And when a spirit's conjured by um, a necromancer, they have to tell the truth. Like, you can't lie to mm-hmm. them. So... Through this, uh, he finds out that they might be the twins of the prophecy, and that's why Flamel was there. And so Dee asks, did you awaken the twins? And Hecate says, no. But then they realize, like, they're like, that doesn't seem right. So he goes, he, like, realizes that she probably only awoke one of them and so it's one of those things like you can't it's like the whole classic fey where it's like yeah they can only tell the truth but you can't take them for their word Mm -hmm. (laughs) so but then he still gets it from her that she managed to awaken sophie's powers only and d thinks that this is great it's just because they can target Josh because he's probably going to be jealous of his sister who has all these cool new abilities and that they can probably turn him to their side Mm -hmm. and turn him to be the twin that destroys the world. And Bessette's like, all right, but who's going to awaken them? Like, I can't do it. Hecate's dead. This is when D is like, the Morrigan, um... You consumed your two sisters, didn't you? And she gets all up in arms and she's like, all right, yes, but they agreed to it. And so, like, she's now has, like, the power of, like, three goddesses Uh in one. So the Morgan has the power to awaken Josh's uh, Mm. powers, which was, like, a whole revelation. They're like, wow, but you're next gen. You're not supposed to be that strong. And she's like, yeah, she fucking ate my sisters. sisters. Not in the womb, either. Not in the womb. Not in the womb. So Nick and Co. are near, I think, Los Angeles. There's some, like, somewhere Southern California, I guess. They're looking for the Witch of Endor. And Sophie's telling Josh that her senses are so intense that, like, the smallest, like, scent, like, the smallest sound makes her feel sick and overwhelms her. And she's terrified because she's just feeling everything so much. Uh-huh. And Josh is pissed at Flamel again. Classic. And Scatty says that there's something she can do to help alleviate what Sophie's feeling. And she explains that the clan vampires are next generation and that she was born after the fall of uh, Don Utalis, the island where elders ruled from, which is more often known by humans nowadays as Atlantis. Okay. And anyway, the (laughs) island, you find out that the island fell when the ruling twins, Sun and Moon, fought. And she explains that 
vampires are incapable of feeling emotions, and that's why some feed off of blood. They're absorbing the human's emotions. So Scatty is a more sophisticated vampire than those lowly bloodsuckers, so she can absorb some basically through doing almost like, like just like kind of holding Sophie's hand and like doing some weird vampire shit. Like no blood is exchanged. She just kind of through hand-to-hand contact is absorbing Sophie's emotions. Okay. And so Sophie feels less and Scatty feels like some of those. And Josh goes, why would someone want to feel pain and fear? And what do you think Scatty says? Something edgy. To feel alive. Oh my God. (laughs) I can't. I just, I can't deal with that. (laughs) Perry wakes up and she's in a cell on Alcatraz. On Alcatraz. On Alcatraz. And a sphinx is guarding her. And she's surprised to see this because sphinxes belong to echidna? Echidna, yeah. Echidna. Echidna? Well, an echidna is like an animal. E-C-H-I-D-N-A. Yeah, it's an animal. Knuckles the echidna. From Sonic. But yeah, echidnas are a marsupial, I think. They are. Yeah. Well, well, that's not what this she's talking about. Aren't they cute, though? They are cute. Oh, wait, I've seen these things before. Well, You've seen one? Not in life. Okay. I feel like... Just like on TV or a book or something. Well, Knuckles from Sonic is an echidna. Okay, well, in Greek mythology, echidna was a monster, half-woman, half-snake who lived alone in a cave. So that's who we're talking about here. So sphinxes belong to Echidna, the Greek goddess, an elder that even dark elders fear and shun because she's so psychotic. So Perry's just like, that's not a good sign for who D is working with if Echidna's involved somehow. Mm-hmm. And the other bad news is that sphinxes absorb aura energy, so Perry's powerless as long as the sphinx is around. So there's nothing she can do. And we come back to Nick and Co., who have found the Witch of Endor, who tells them to call her Dora. And she appears and acts like this, like, doting grandmother. And she's like, Scatty, you never call me. You never call your mother. I hear from your brother almost every day. When have I heard from you last? I could be dead and you wouldn't care. (laughs) Um, But she's also very dangerous. Like, she mentions how she knows what happened to Hecate. And she's like, just has this, like, cold-blooded, like, casual comment about how, like, D's a dead man, and Josh is just like, oh, God, this woman's in- this woman's terrifying. And, oh, here we go. Here we go. The Infinity War timeline moment. So, this is when you establish that the Witch of Endor also has the sight. So, she reveals that she saw this situation of Hecate dying and the Shadow Realm collapsing like a week or month ago. Mm -hmm. And they were like, wait, why didn't you warn us? And she goes, I see every possible timeline that could happen. I saw that. I saw a timeline where Nick died. I saw a timeline where the twins died when their powers were awakened. And so she goes, basically, it's Doctor Strange in Infinity War. 40 million. And even more, she explains all these timelines and she says that there was only one timeline where the twins survived. And so Josh is like, oh, you mean this was the only way for us to survive? And she's like, yeah, this is the only time you guys survived. And I'm like, it's one. It's only one. The one timeline where they... where they. How many did we win? One. Just one. Oh, and then an, then an 
end game when it looks long, and then he just raises his raises finger. finger. I my favorite. All the memes are like what he's actually trying to say. <laughs> well, no, I saw this this artist I follow made a comic about it where it's like he's doing the one, but it's so far away. Iron Man's like, is he flipping me off? <laughs> I've seen that. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so we have that bringing it back to Doctor Strange. So Dora says that she isn't capable of awakening Josh, so they're going to have to find someone else to do that. And then she looks at Sophie, and she's like, wow, I have never seen such a pure silver aura. It's really a testament to her strength that she's still sane. So this girl was clearly very strong. (laughs) And she's like, I'll train Sophie in air magic, which is Dora's specialty. Uh Uh-huh. So they're talking about the codex and all that, and Dora goes, don't believe everything you read in the codex. Quote, it also says, apples are poisonous, and frogs can turn into princes. (laughs) Frogs can turn into princes, okay? Well, Flamel, Flamel's just not quite sure about her statement, because he's like, well, yes, I've read the part about apples, but I assumed it meant apple seeds, because if you ate, like, tons and tons of them... They're poisonous. Um, He's like, and I haven't read the frog part, so I'm not sure what she's talking about. (laughs) And uh, Dora takes off her glasses, and she doesn't have eyes. And you find out that she gave up her eyes for the gift of sight. So very Greek myth Mm -hmm. that all, like, you have something wrong with your body in order to have the sight. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. Usually it's like, usually it's blind, not, you don't actually lose your physical eyes. Mm-hmm. Usually you blindness is associated with having like the sight of like what's going mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. Then if you're Cassandra, you have the sight and then you're cursed so that no one believes what you're, that what you say is true. And you tell everyone, hey, our city is going to be destroyed soon. And everyone's just like, Cassandra, no, you're wrong. And then Troy falls. So, yeah, anyway, so why is she showing them that she has no eyeballs and that she has a gift of sight? It's She's saying that she can, from all the, the sight that she has, she knows how important Josh and Sophie are to the fate of the world. Like, all of these potential outcomes that are, like, grave importance to the future of the world, they all seem to circle around Josh and Sophie. Like, she's been having visions of them. So she's mm-hmm. just like, I need to teach Sophie air magic because shit's gonna she, get real. She holds the fate of the universe and yeah. her brother. And then Josh gets kicked out because humans can't see this. Like, they can't, humans can't be in the room uh-huh. where it happens. Uh-huh. Like, they just can't comprehend it. Or, or it's just, like, it's like not allowed. It's a secret, uh-huh. yeah. And it's basically a file transfer. <laughs> And she, like, plug in a USB. She basically, like, uh, takes all of her air magic knowledge and, like, essentially, like, mummifies Sophie in, like, this air. And she doesn't just teach her. She transfers all of her air magic into Sophie. Like, transfers like she gives it up herself? Yes. Okay. Which Vendor no longer has magic. And, like, it's not even, it's not just the abilities, it's, like, knowledge. I mean, she still has knowledge, but, like... She can't use it. She can't use her powers. And now Sophie, like, kind of knows things that she didn't know before. She knows things. She knows things. And she warns Sophie that air is a very dangerous element. People don't always associate it as dangerous like the others, but you can easily kill someone with air. Um, have you ever heard of, like, suffocation? Mm-hmm. I have. No breathing? Hurricanes. How I supposed to breathe? No air. <laughs> no air. No air. Um, and then they, after the file transfer completes, <laughs> they realize D has arrived because they smell rotten eggs. Doc sets his aura. I mean, he's a horrible person, so. Yeah, but, like, insult to injury. 
Yeah. And then it cuts to D, who is looking for Josh because of the prophecy. And then he also mentions how he bought Alcatraz. He bought it. He's extremely. I mean, when you you've been along, you've been around for hundreds of years, and you're an alchemist and magician. You're one of the richest people in the world. And he bought it for like the sake of a museum to like convert into this like museum type thing. Well, it is a museum, but like to like renovate the museum. But he goes, really, when we win, I'm turned into a prison for humans. <laughs> I just, whenever somebody who's, like, immortal and has a lot of money, like, how is the IRS not, like, does they just have well, a lot of... Well, he's British. Do, okay, Well, whatever. actually, he's a... But he has all his business in America, Yeah, so. like, do they just have a lot of offshore accounts? Like, mm-hmm. like I saw this TikTok that was, like, <laughs> Carlisle Cullen is, like, one of the most rich, like, fictional characters. Well, they just, they don't eat... Yeah, nah, I don't and know. Where is his wealth? How is nobody like this one guy has had these accounts the, for hundreds he, of years? He has it in, in cash, and if you flip over the graduation cap art, it's stuff with cash. It's a vault <laughs> with like $400 billion. Yes. Anyway, we cut back to Josh, and he's having a horrible time. He's lost all his belongings, so he doesn't have his iPod, his phone that oh, has I all his the... iPod. But even worse is he doesn't have his phone, and it has all the contact info for his friends. Because of his parents' archaeology lifestyle, they move a lot, yeah. so he doesn't get to see friends often, so the phone is the only way. Oh, you know what? That is sad. It's really sad. And he's worried that his relationship with Sophie's going to change because she's now, like... This magic thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's human. And then D just sits down next to him on a bench. He's just like, oh, you and me screwed over by Flamel. Am I right? Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's just like, he's tricking you, Josh. Flamel never tells the truth. He st- stole the codex from the Louvre. The Louvre. He stole it from the Louvre. The Louvre. Because he knew what it, the book contained, where Flamel said he just, like, bought it. <laughs> from like a, a secondhand bookstore or something, uh-huh. or like basically just stumbled upon it. But Dee's like, no, he legit stole it from the museum, uh, and that he and Perry only use it for selfish reasons to like make their lives better. And that the Flamel's actually the one that burnt London to the ground in 1666. Okay, and Flamel is working with the evil elders because they don't want the world to be as great. Like they're secretly running everything. And they're like, they're the oppressors. Okay. And D wants to bring the elders back because they will make the world perfect. It'll be a utopia. A paradise. Para. 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 Paradise. And then he's like showing Josh the beautiful utopian world I that will happen. Yeah, he like creates illusions and like puts Josh into Shining a trance because um, Flamel and Scatty. Chica, chica, well, like that's what's happening, right? Well, except they're not flying. He's no, like, but he's it's, showing it's him more like a whole new world at Disney, where you like you feel like you're seeing the world in in one place. <laughs> I've never been to Disney World. It's a fun ride. It's like because I'm scared of heights. It's a lot of fun because I know I'm secure and like in a seat, and it feels like I'm flying over. Like the pyramids and stuff. Wow. And uh, that's kind of a plot point in Ghost Town, the anime that <laughs> no one else has no one else has watched. <laughs> Where was I? He puts Josh into a trance and goes and he like he summons this crazy magic fog that like is so dense you can't see anything. Uh-huh. Um and goes to fight Flamel and Scatty. And D is first and foremost a, a very strong necromancer. Uh-huh. So he 
has risen the dead from a nearby 19th century cemetery to fight for him. So they're just skeleton warriors. They like describe like they make it seem like they look like Civil War soldiers, but they're in California. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Timelines not <laughs> not up, notching up. Fighting ensues. Sophie manages to wake Josh out of his trance, and the Witch of Endor. She's powerless, but her shop is not, and her shop protects them. And she reveals that her shop is located at the intersection of seven ley lines. This book is why I love ley lines and first found out about them. Are you familiar with ley lines? That's a thing in Vampire Diaries. Oh my god, it is. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so ley lines are these like energy lines that run through the world. Yep. Think of them as like longitude and latitude lines, but like actual energy and they're not like they don't match up with those, but essentially like just these lines that crisscross around the world and where the ley lines intersect are like very Independent, like in fantasy books, it's like places of like strong magic and things like that. People say like Stonehenge is where ley lines intersect. Like there's very important sites um, in the world, they say, are often where ley lines intersect. So the fact that there are seven ley lines that mean this point makes it extremely powerful. And so she's able to open, you can also travel in this world at least, and I know other series, ley lines can be used for travel. So she opens a portal where these ley lines meet and they are able to escape to Paris. Paris. So Flamel jumps in and he's like, I'm going home. I'm going, going home. home. I'm, I'm going. going home. We really had all five musical instruments. Tell the world I'm, I'm going, going home. Um, Scotty and Sophie jumps in and Dee runs in. It's like, Josh, don't go with them. Don't trust Flamel. Come with me. Don't trust Flamel. Never trust Flamel. Don't trust Flamel. Don't trust him. <laughs> anyway, but then Sophie jumps back out and she's like, Josh, come with me. And he goes, you came back for me. And the power of sibling love oh, thank convinces God. Josh not to go with Dee and to go with Nick and Co. Oh, bless. Okay, I was really concerned. Yeah. And then Perry is in herself in Azkaban <laughs> instead of the mentors that suck the soul it's sphinxes that suck the aura Mom's that aura the ghost even though he was planning on reuniting with his wife in the afterlife he's really concerned for Perry because she's still being held captive mm-hmm. so he has he's still kind of keeping her up to date and like shows up and explains what's happening and like gives them passes on the message that Flamel and co are going to Paris and I'm just like this dead security guard is he's the real, greatest he's I the hope realest he, one he, he deserves a raise <laughs> give him a medal <laughs> give him a medal and uh, Perry is extremely happy because there are elders and immortal humans in Paris who can awaken Josh and train the twins one of whom is Joan of Arc we find out and I honestly forget what historic figure she's dating, but it's something really funny. And then the Sphinx is like, oh, Perry, you know, it's it's all over for you. Like, this is the end. And then Perry just goes, it's only just the beginning. <laughs> end of book. Oh, wow. I think this was definitely a nice palate cleanser. Yeah, it was fun. I it mean, it was fun. <laughs> certainly had issues, but it was fun. It was fun. Like, Here we and go. I Googled Joan who Joan of Arc is dating. Comte de... Oh, Saint-Germain! Um, they're not just dating. They're, they're married. married. Oh, 
Saint Germain. Saint Germain. Like the soccer team. Or ascent burnt leaves. A European adventurer with an interest in science, alchemy, and the arts. He achieved prominence in European high society of the mid 1700s. He was uh, Prince Charles of Hessel of Hess Castle. Considered him to be one of the greatest philosophers who ever lived. All right, I never covered him in philosophy class though. He uses butterfly tattoos as a trigger for his fire elemental. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the historic one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, here we go. Here we go. So he also says Ignis to uh, ignite a swarm of butterflies creating fantastic fireworks around the Eiffel Tower. Sophie asks him why he said that and he says he doesn't need to. He simply thought it would sound cool. Yeah, that's the kind of guy he is. He's mar- the picture of this guy married to a badass Joan of Arc. I know. So that's The Alchemist by Michael Scott. A very fun palette cleanser because we're getting into a couple crazy books. Oh my god, the next book is going to be fucking depressing. And the one after that's going to be nightmare inducing. Like, I'm 40 pages in and it's like triggering PTSD to the beginning of the pandemic. No. <laughs> but that's what we have to look forward to. I hope you enjoyed this wild episode. It was wild. It was so wild. Talk about unhinged. <laughs> um, follow us on social media at Why a Book Podcast on Insta. TikTok and we have a Twitter. It doesn't get updated. Actually, no, every week I do update it. Never mind. Follow us on Twitter. Send us emails, whyabookpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, it's whyabook, not why? the letter Y. Whyabook. Whyabook. Whyabook? Oh, this is fun. This, fi- <laughs> this is a fun book. Yeah, no, this definitely feels like something I would. This gives me the same vibe that I remember, like, Ink Heart having. Oh my God, I can't wait for us to do Ink Heart one day. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, happy belated St. Patrick's Day. Happy Happy um, whatever holiday. When this comes out, it might be Passover. Fuck, this comes out on April Fool's Day. Oh no. This whole book was a lie. (laughs) This podcast was a lie. (laughs) Nick Cage runs everything. Oh, there he is. (laughs) We're the fool. (laughs) 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 Well, um, that means it's um a week past Passover, so happy belated Passover, happy Ooh. early Easter, Ooh. um, happy t- two weeks until Ramadan. Um, that covers everything. Yay. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> I don't. Don't read this before you go to Don't read this. Don't, don't listen to this before you go to sleep. This one's not nightmare this inducing. Is, well, fun. no, it's just but it's not sleepy time inducing either. True. Um, good morning. <laughs> Goodbye. Okay, bye. <laughs>